when I say everybody wants to win a major, there's one guy that's won 24 of these that's standing in everybody's way. And that, and that includes Yannick, that includes Rune, that includes Alcaraz, that's Medvedev. You know, Everybody that's got eyes set on winning a major for the next couple of years, they have to go through Novak. Hi everyone, John Huvenas here with a bonus episode of the AO Show. Darren Cahill has been crowned Coach of the Year at the ATP Awards along with his colleague Simone Vignozzi. Together they coach Yannick Sinner, who this year won four titles including his first Masters 1000, was runner-up at the ATP Finals and finished the year world number four. Previously Cahill has worked with the likes of Leighton Hewitt, Andre Agassi and Simona Halep. But, as he explains, producing a Grand Slam champion takes a lot more investment than it might appear. This is a fascinating interview with one of the most accomplished coaches in world tennis. Enjoy going inside the mind of Australian supercoach Darren Cahill. Darren Cahill, welcome to the AO Show. Well, thank you for having me. Congratulations on being named Coach of the Year by the ATP and also good to see you at the Australian Tennis Awards on Monday. What was that like? Well, it's a great night. You get to catch up with a lot of people that you haven't seen for 12 months and certainly a lot of people back from my day, you know, the older days. So uh, one of the first people that I made my way over to their table was Neil Fraser and he was my Davis captain, Davis Cup captain my entire career. And it was great to see Fraze and Thea, his wife, and and then catch up with all the people that we either trained with or, or played with back in the day. And, and then you get a chance to see the new generation kids coming through and a lot of a lot of young players at the tables around there and a lot getting awards. And saw Rinky Hichikata. He's had an incredible year so far in 23. And and obviously, big congratulations to Alex Demonor winning the, the Nukem medal. So it was a great night. I think Tennis Australia do a wonderful job both putting on the event but also recognizing a whole range of different talents and it's not just about high performance and players playing at the elite level it's a lot of it is about you know what happens at the grassroots and at the local clubs and the coaching that goes on there and the young players coming through and the players that have disabilities that are following their dreams and making great things happen so it's great that tennis australia recognizes a whole range of different talents you're obviously not coaching an Australian, but you must have a, a soft spot for the Aussie athletes and how they're doing. What have you made of the Aussies' performances this year, particularly the men? Well, I think the men have had an outstanding year. If you go through most of the players that we have in the top 150, quite a lot of them are at their career high rankings and they're pushing each other to get better and better. And I, I think there's a great system in place at the moment and everybody's helping each other and the players are working together and, and the coaches are working together to try to make everyone a better tennis player. And it kind of goes back to the old days, 20, 30 years ago when there wasn't the money around back then. So you didn't have a huge entourage. So a lot of the players would rely on each other to get feedback and break down matches and get some tactics for upcoming matches against foreign players and I think you're seeing more of that now, which is great. So there's a real good sense of camaraderie amongst the Australian men, especially. And as I've mentioned before, it's also that transition from being one of the best juniors in the world or being a really good college player and then coming through and trying to transition through to the tour and make it on the main tour. It's a really tricky assignment for a lot of players and a lot of players get lost in that system. And they might end up becoming, might not make it at all, but you also might end up becoming perennial challenge players or future players. And 
So to see Rinky do what he did so far this year, and then you've got a whole bunch of other players also with Ebden doing great in the doubles and Purcell pretty much at a career high ranking. Um, yeah, it's just it's fun to watch. It's good. I saw a bunch of the boys playing across at the year end finals with Coobs and Rinky were there, and, and they were competing hard and also getting ready for the Davis Cup the week after. So, yeah, whilst I'm not coaching an Australian, certainly there is still a lot of Australia in me. Well, let's talk about the young man that you are coaching. And you mentioned there the transition from juniors into the, the top level. I guess your guy, Yannick Sinner, is interesting in that he didn't set the world alight as a junior. I don't think he ever played any of the, the Grand Slam junior tournaments. But now at 22 years of age, he is one of the brightest lights of the men's game. Yeah, he's an amazing young man, actually. And I think that when we talk about the qualities that the Australians have at the moment, he has a lot of those qualities. He's really humble. He's got his feet on the ground. He's hardworking. He dreams big. He's not content with any result that he posts. He knows that he wants to continue to get better. And it's not necessarily about an ultimate goal for him. It's just about going out there and working hard every day and hopefully just chipping away at getting better. So whilst he's a great kid, he keeps it pretty simple and Obviously, I'm new to the team. We've been involved with him for the last 18 months. He had <clears throat> great coaching before in uh, Ricardo Piatti, who worked with him for many, many years and did an amazing job with him as well. But as we know, the, the coaching role for uh, for a coach with a tennis player, you know, sometimes after three or four years, there can be a real wear down factor. And it happens a lot that you see that a change is made or a change is need, needed to be made. And so... He decided at the start of last year to bring in a new team. It started with Simone Vagnossi, who's honestly, he's done an amazing job as as Yannick's coach. He's the main coach. He's the guy that we direct everything through. He's the main voice for Yannick. And he, from a technical and tactical point of view, he's one of the best I've seen. And he's only a young coach. And he's already had really good success with a couple of the players that he's worked with before. And then the rest of the team came on board about four or five months later. That's Umberto Ferrara, who's the health, the fitness trainer. And he had a real big job to try to improve Yannick's fitness over the course of the last 18 months, not just from a strength condition to, to be able to last the distance in those five set matches and compete at the highest level against the top five players, but also to build the body so it's protected and it doesn't break down and, and get those little niggling injuries that he probably had a little bit of for the for the couple of years prior to that. And then we've got our physio, Giacomo Naudi, who's doing an incredible job with the body. And Andrea Cipolla is the osteopath that works with us as well. So we have a full Italian team. I'm the only foreigner. I'm the outsider <laughs> that's come in and couldn't be more proud and, and honored to be a part of this team because they are great people. And uh, it's led by, of course, a great young man in Yannick Sinner. Yeah, talk about a dream team. It really is testament to the fact that I've heard you speak about this before, about having good people around you is one of the five ingredients that makes a Grand Slam player. Could you talk a little bit more about those principles of what you think are the ingredients of, of a champion? Yeah, I think it comes back a little bit to every team's culture. And I know culture is a big word in sport sport these days, but it, it has to be emphasized that it's incredibly important and if you put good people around you, and you end up becoming the sum average of the five closest people. So, you know, that's that's a theory. I stick strong to that theory. I think that when you have a, a great 
platform or or sheet blank sheet in someone like Yannick Sinner, who's a good kid anyway, and then you go on hand pick some people to to join his team that are that are really good people, then you can't help then become a, a better tennis player, and, and that's kind of what we're hoping to achieve for him and um, the the guys that he has uh, from Italy in his team. You know, he, he's really hand picked those and. And he's gone about making sure that everybody sits on the same level. Uh, there's no one coach that is more important than anybody else. We all collaborate really well together and make sure that we share information and, and make sure that we're all on the right path and working towards the right goal together. And 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 that's working well so far. And in the end, you know, we can we they're all words and we can say all that. But Yannick has to get onto the court and he has to make it happen. So he's a pretty special athlete. I think we saw a little bit of a glimpse into what he's capable of the last three months of the year when he won Beijing, he won Vienna, and then he had a really good tournament in Turin, making it through to the finals. And then, of course, he led Italy to that Davis Cup win. So we're hoping that's a little bit of a platform for him to take a big leap up in 2024. But it's a tough sport, tennis. You never know from day to day. Confidence is a great thing. You can have it one day and lose it the next day. So we will work really hard to make sure that he continues on the right path. You touched there on the ATP finals where he finished runner-up but had wins during the week over Djokovic, Medvedev, Tsitsipas. Uh, These are huge confidence-building wins on a big stage for a young man. What psychological effect has that had on him in the past uh, few weeks? Yeah, I think a lot of those wins actually came from some really good performances in the weeks before that. So had he not done so well against Alcaraz and Medvedev in Beijing and then backed it up by beating Medvedev again in the final of Vienna, then, you know, maybe those performances weren't going to be possible in Turin. And I think the other added element to Turin was the extra pressure that he had going into that event because it was played at home. All the eyes of that country were on him to see how well he would perform. And he took on that pressure, absorbed it, and he rose up with it. And so, I think that shows a lot of maturity and where he's matured in the last couple of years from an athlete point of view and also where he is mentally about feeling like he belongs in the top five now and that he has a real chance when he walks onto the court against anybody. Everyone is watching with bated breath to see just how high this man's ceiling is. What do you think it might be? What what are the expectations from the group around him? Well, this year was really about Making sure that he accepted every single challenge that came his way. That could be an opponent, a tricky opponent. It could be some tough scheduling. It could be playing on a surface that he didn't enjoy. It could be playing an opponent that he didn't enjoy. So that was kind of the theme for 2023 was to to go out there, give your very best, and whatever happens, whether you win or lose, we're going to learn from this and make sure that we continue as a student to become a smarter tennis player on the court. So it's really more uh, an evolution of that, to be perfectly honest. I I don't think that you want to put a ceiling or any real huge goal. Obviously, to win a major is everybody's goal, and he's in a position now where he's capable of winning a major. So, But we still need improvements. We still need to continue to prep him to to make sure that he can win seven best-of-five-set matches over the course of two weeks in a major, and he needs to be able to prove that. And... When I say everybody wants to win a major, there's one guy that's won 24 of these that's standing in everybody's way, and that, and that includes Yannick, that includes Rune, that includes Alcaraz, that's Medvedev. You know, everybody that's that's got eyes set on winning a major for the next couple of years, they have to go through Novak, 
And he's a huge challenge and he's a bigger challenge in best of five than what he is in best of three. So all these young kids, they have to continue to improve physically and they have to get smarter and they have to continue to believe to have a chance against him. I saw Novak's interview on 60 Minutes USA and uh, the report mentioned that he may be slower than he used to be, but he is wiser and more accurate. And I was just wondering from a coaching perspective, how valuable are those two assets um, in a player's career, particularly the twilight? We saw that a little bit right with Federer, Federer the last couple of years when he made that change to a, a slightly larger head racket, a bit faster racket that gave him a bit more power. And he realized that he couldn't run side to side like he could when he was 24, 25, 26 years of age. So he actually evolved his game where he started to come in a lot more. Ivan Lubacic had him playing much more aggressively with the backhand. He started to take it on the rise, take the backhand up the line a lot more, and he ventured to the net a lot more to finish points. So we are seeing Novak do exactly the same. I think that you see him serve and volleying much more than he used to. If you remember back to the US Open final when he defeated Medvedev, he served and volleyed a ton in that particular match, and he's looking for ways to finish points a little bit quicker and with that you've got to hold a bit slightly stronger court position which means you can cut the corners a little bit more and you don't get pushed six or eight feet back behind the baseline and he's trying to get out of those really long rallies to a certain point you know we go back to Novak's main strength is that he can take the legs out of just about every player on tour by his using his defense so you never want to go away from that completely but I think we're seeing a lot of players now working on their transition games, making sure that they find different ways to finish points and improving their finishing skills. And that means coming to the net a little bit more, using the drop shot a little bit more, working on the serve so you can get some more free points off the first serve. And the plus one is incredibly important in tennis in these days. If you have a big serve and it's accurate and you can get a return of serve that is slightly mishit or a little bit short, everybody's using their big weapons with that first shot, that plus one, to make sure that they stay on top of the point. So I think that Novak is using his strengths really, really well. He's a smart tennis player. I think his serve has improved year on year and continues to improve. I think you'll see that his numbers with the serve are going up, both first, sec first serve and second serve. And with that, he's getting a lot more free points in his service games. And of course, we know he's one of the best returners in the game. So he's a challenge. Uh, everybody knows that, but I think this young generation with Alcaraz, Rune, uh, Yannick, uh, there's a whole bunch of other kids. Shelton as well I put in there because I think Shelton's uh, got a really good chance of finishing top 10 next year. I think Demonoy has a great chance of finishing top 10. Um, a lot of these younger players are looking at playing Novak as a real opportunity and a challenge and are not walking onto the court a couple of breaks down in the first set already. They're saying, bring it on. Let's have it. And if you don't win this tennis match, you're going to make me a better tennis player. Fascinating insights, Darren. The uh, evolution of the game. I guess you see it in all sports, uh, tactics changing over time. One final question on that tangent. Who actually sets the, who are the trailblazers when it comes to evolving the game and trying out new new things that catch on? Um that's a good question because I think the technology in tennis has changed a ton in the last 20 years and the strings the players are using now and the rackets that players are using now creates a lot more easy power. So the game has become a little bit more simplistic in that sense where everybody can serve 120 miles per hour now at 125 and a lot of that comes down to good coaching as well, good technical coaching, but also the, the equipment certainly does help and allow the players to be able to do that. 
Now, the players are creating more spin and they're also stringing their rackets a lot looser than they did in the older days because the spin gives you more control. And with the, the looser restrings, you get more power every time you hit the ball. So uh, technology has changed the game. But I think there's been some some real sort of game changes as far as the way the game has been played. And I think Federer was, in my generation anyway, Federer was the one that really took it from a certain level to a whole new level. And, you know, I go back to a, a story when I was coaching Agassi in 2003 and Agassi and Federer actually played in in Houston. It was the year-end finals and they played in the first round robin match and it was an unbelievable match. And and the whole crowd was on Agassi's side because it was playing in America and Federer ended up winning that match 7-6 in the third, but it was an amazing tennis match. And as it happened, Andre won the rest of his round-robin matches. He won the semifinals, and he got himself back into the final for that event. And on the other side of the court was Federer. And the final was best of five. And Federer, just in those five or six days, went from one level to a level that we've never seen before. And I can't remember the exact score, but it was something like 6-4, 6-3, 6-love. And Federer just took Andre to the woodshed. And... We were a little bit down about it. And I remember walking into the locker room afterwards and Andre was sitting, sweat was pouring off him. He gave everything in that match. He, even in the third set, he was just trying to win a game and Federer, Federer was just hitting winners from all over the court. And he had his elbows on his knees, sitting down on the bench and his head was in his hands and sweat was pouring off him. And I just walked up to him and I put a hand on his back and said, I'm so sorry, mate. No, Roger was too good today. It's great, great tournament though. And he looked up at me and I thought he was really down and he just had this huge smile on his face. And he looked up and he said, this guy is going to take the game to a level we've never seen before. That was unbelievable. But like he was in awe of the way Federer played. And then we saw yeah. Roger Ev for the next three or four years and and separate himself from the field. And, and I give him a lot of credit for improving everybody around him because everybody had to go on the chase. Everybody had to be more professional. They had to train harder. They had to train uh, train smarter, and and he did an amazing job to stay where he was for you know a certain amount of years before you had guys like Nadal and Murray and Djokovic come along and reel him back in to a certain extent. And then I think Novak now has, has done it again. I think Novak, with the way he treats his body, with everything he puts into his body from the food and the fuel and the way he trains and any little niggle that he has. He gets it attended to like it could become a major injury. Uh, he'll go sit in a hyperbaric chamber for three hours every day if he has to, if he knows it's going to make him a better tennis player. He'll do whatever it takes to become a better tennis player, and he's totally professional. And I think that that's why we're seeing the level from him at his age right at the moment, and he's getting paid back for all the sacrifices he's made. So I give him full credit for that. Yeah, it's simply astounding and intimidating, to be honest. I'm someone who is Novak's age and I'm starting to feel the wear and tear of a general life, you know, lived in and around the media world and office spaces, but he is simply an astonishing athlete. And Darren, you're an astonishing coach and we've loved having your insights on the AO Show. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope to see you around the trap soon. Beauty, mate. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.